Welcome to the Green Valley Church Podcast, based in San Diego, where we are focused by scripture, unheard in relationships, we serve through strengths, and enthusiastically invite. We're so excited you found us. If you want to learn more about us, go to greenvalleychurch.com. Now let's get into today's message. On December 25th, 1914, at the beginning of World War I, something strange and unexpected occurred. Something that has never, nothing quite like it has ever actually happened again. The soldiers voluntarily and in many ways unexpectedly took part in an unofficial ceasefire. For that day, that first Christmas of the First World War, artillery stopped. Gunshots quieted. And eventually... Perhaps the bravest or maybe the craziest of the soldiers started to climb out of their trenches and met in the middle. The dead were buried. Games were played. There's even a record of a soccer match that took place between German and English soldiers. Gifts were exchanged and carols were actually sung. It was a brief moment of peace in the midst of the world's, uh, one of the world's most bloody conflicts. You see, the human heart, it longs for peace. But the problem is, the heart can't experience peace, not like it was made to experience it, apart from its creator. When Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, when he entered this world, God's peace collided with the world's peace. You see, at that time in the first century, it was uh, the world of the Romans. They had successfully conquered much of the known world, and there was a peace. Pax Romana, as they would say, Roman peace. But, as we know, it was a rather one-sided peace, a peace that was maintained through violence and oppression. It was an example of the world's peace. The world's idea of peace is a peace by force, or often a superficial peace, something, a peace that is more outward, external. External and demanding. Whereas God's peace, it's internal and it's transformative. God's peace, it starts from within, and it works outwardly. You see, we live in a divisive world. It's always been that way, at least ever since sin got a part of it, became a part of it. We live in a divisive world because sin, it, its natural tendency is towards divisiveness and, and exclusion. That, that's the default setting. And when we look at world history, that's very much what we see. I don't think anybody really likes it, right? But but it feels natural, and therefore it's accepted as normal. And so, for the most part, we live with it. But one day, the Bible promises over and over again that one day God's peace will rule this world. And so until then, followers of Jesus are to lead the charge in being peacemakers, 
bringing, taking part in bringing God's peace to this world as we wait for God's peace to rule the world. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually announced, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Our passage for today is in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 18. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 18, where we will discover four God-anchored, spirit-led, and Jesus-lived characteristics that define a peacemaker, at least a peacemaker as God sees them. So turn with me in your Bible or scroll with me in your app to 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Our first point is that peacemakers know their inheritance. Peacemakers know their inheritance. Followers of Jesus have God's blessing of eternity. The promise of eternity with God, life after death. And the Bible talks about this as our future inheritance, something that we know about and we anticipate. And that anticipation impacts how we live today. So instead of the natural reaction to offenses, insults, and mistreatment, which are inevitable, and which is generally responded to with the same or worse, we are called to respond with a blessing. And not only do we have eternity as a future blessing, but there are countless blessings that we experience on a day-to-day basis. And if you think about it, really, anything that you or I have to offer as a blessing to somebody else, whether it's a kind word, time, or something else, whatever that blessing is that we can bless somebody else with, was first a blessing to us from God. And so, aware of this, peacemakers, they're a blessing to others, even to those who don't deserve it. And they do this because they are aware of the inheritance that they have in eternity. So peacemakers, they know their inheritance. Continuing on with our passage, picking up in verses 10 through 12, we read, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Our next point is simply that peacemakers, they do the right thing. Peacemakers do the right thing. As it says, they speak the truth. When it comes to keeping peace, especially with those uh, we are connected to, right? the tendency is to bend the truth, avoid the truth. But peacemakers, they speak the truth. 
even when it's difficult. Peacemakers, as it says, they do the right thing, even if the right thing is the hard thing to do. Peacemakers do the right thing, even in the face of opposition. Because the peacemaker is not going for the peace of this world. The peacemaker realizes that there is a peace that's from God that is so much better, so much more satisfying, and that's their goal. Now, sometimes experiencing God's peace in our divisive world, it requires this pursuit. Here the author in 1 Peter is quoting actually from Psalm 134 when it says, seek peace and pursue it. Peacemakers must seek peace almost as if they have to chase it down sometimes. When my kids were little, they loved to play this game where I would be walking down the hall at minding my own business and they'd jump out from around the corner and grab onto my legs. And then I, of course, playing along would start moving faster and lifting my legs higher and they're, they're holding onto my legs. They're going up and down for a ride and eventually they get shaken off. But immediately, as soon as they hit the ground and tumble, they roll right back up and grab right onto my legs and this would go on throughout the house until they get tired or actually I'd probably get tired first. Sometimes peacemaking in this world can feel a little bit more like that game. And peace needs to be pursued. We need to seek after it. God's peace can take us for a ride, up and down, sometimes feeling as if we got shaken off. But the peacemaker always rolls right back up and clings on to that peace and continues to pursue that peace and seek understanding and continue doing the right thing. And as we read here, all of this is done under the watchful eye, the attentive ear, and the great care of the Lord. Peacemakers do the right thing. Moving on to the next part of our passage, 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Doing the right thing, doing good, is often well-received and appreciated. But sometimes, doing the right thing can lead directly into conflict. And so our next point, peacemakers face conflict. Peacemakers face conflict. I don't think we often, when we talk about being a peacemaker, I don't think we think about engaging in conflict with others. 
But here in, in 1 Peter, we see that that's an inevitable part of following Jesus, an inevitable part of bringing God's peace into this world. Is that conflict will be there. And it's something to face, to address. So our passage, it comes from a letter written by the Apostle Peter, one of the, one of the twelve. And Peter, he eventually went on to be one of the leaders in the Church of Rome. And he wrote this letter to encourage fellow Christians throughout the region, throughout the provinces of Rome, to stay faithful in the midst of the persecution that they were beginning to feel and experience. Peacemakers, they don't look for conflict, and they don't, their goal isn't to stir things up. But they don't avoid or shrink back, shrink back from conflict either. They face it. And as it says, establishing Christ as Lord in their heart and filled with the hope of God's promises, the peacemaker is prepared to, rest to respond to arguments, mistreatment and opposition with, unexpectedly, gentleness and respect. You see, firmness and gentleness are not mutually exclusive, though it often feels like it is. And neither are directness and respect. The peacemaker responds with gentleness and respect while remaining firm and direct. It's actually fascinating and, and ironic to really think about who God was using to speak to us through this passage. Peter he was known for being bold and, and abrasive, especially in his early years of following Jesus. But it was him that God was using to give Christians instructions on how to be peacemakers. The, the disciple who misguidedly used a sword to attack someone in, in an attempt to defend Jesus is now telling others to have a response that is gentle and respectful. It's incredible to think about the transformation of God's peace that was occurring in Peter uh, from the time that he met Jesus to the time that he would have written this letter. But he had learned peacemakers, they still face conflict. They just don't do it with a sword. They use their words, and they do it with gentleness and respect. All right, let's look at the, the final verses of our passage here. Verses 17 and 18. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Our final point, peacemakers Live in God's peace. Peacemakers live in God's peace. God, uh, peacemakers, they have God's peace. Uh, peacemakers have God's peace, and that's what's necessary. One needs to have God's peace before they can ever make peace with others. 
And that peace with God, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus was made alive in the Spirit, so his followers are made alive in God's Spirit. Peacemakers, they have God's peace because they have God's Spirit in them. Just like Peter had God's Spirit in him, making him into a peacemaker. It's been said that it's more difficult to make peace than to wage war. In other words, peacemaking is not easy. And I don't recommend anyone attempt it without the help of God's Spirit. Without God's peace, attempts at being a peacemaker will likely end in bitterness. Because peacemakers, they're going to take some hits. It's like whenever a brawl breaks out at a sporting event, and if you're watching the footage, it seems like inevitably there's somebody that jumps in there to try and break up the fight, and sure enough, they're going to take a couple of hits. And so it is in this life. As a peacemaker, you're going to take some hits. And so peacemakers, they become pretty tough in a good way. We don't think about it like this, but Jesus was incredibly tough. He was tough on all fronts. He was tough mentally. He was tough emotionally. Experienced a full range of emotion and knew how to express it appropriately. He was tough physically. But most importantly, he was tough spiritually. And his toughness didn't make him bitter. It set him up to respond to people with kindness and compassion, especially when they didn't deserve it. Praying for those who were harming him, even as he was dying on the cross. When working to be a peacemaker, you will experience resistance, maybe even suffering. But that makes the peacemaker stronger. That's why we read in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, another one of the apostles, Paul, wrote this, also encouraging believers who are experiencing persecution. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We connect with Jesus powerfully when we face difficulty and suffering. Especially when trying to do the right thing, like bringing about reconciliation. Being a peacemaker in a divisive world can bring about temporary turmoil, but that's okay because peacemakers have God's peace inside of them. Peacemakers live in God's peace. So there you have it. Four God-anchored, spirit-led, Jesus-lived characteristics of a peacemaker. Peacemakers, they know their inheritance. Peacemakers, they do the right thing. Peacemakers, they face conflict. They don't shy away from it. They don't avoid it. They engage it. 
with gentleness and respect. Peacemakers, they can do all that because they're already living in God's peace. Experiencing a little bit of God's genuine peace here on earth before God brings it all here. And so peacemakers, they choose their battles wisely. They don't pick fights, but they don't shy away from conflict. They firmly lean into conflict with gentleness and respect. Peacemakers, they respond to insults with kindness and blessing. They are quick to admit when they're wrong. And peacemakers listen to others, even those whom they disagree with. Jesus, as you look at his life, he was an incredible listener. And we need to listen well if we want to be peacemakers. Because to follow Jesus in a divisive world is to become a peacemaker. And the first place to start is your own heart. And then within your own home, among your friends, co-workers, and neighbors. And after that, let God's Spirit lead your peacemaking beyond your everyday spheres of influence. As we read in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God will use you to be a peacemaker wherever he leads you. The world doesn't need more fighters, dividers, avoiders, or even peace enforcers. If you want to be different, if you want to make a difference, be a peacemaker. I'll leave you with one final thought. And it's the reality that God's peace is infinitely more powerful than any evil, violence, hatred, or divisiveness this world could think up. Which is why we're encouraged in Romans 12.21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. And that's what God has called each of us to do in our own lives and in our own ways, in our own spheres of influence. So my encouragement to you is be anticipating, be praying about ways that God is going to use you this week to be a peacemaker. Let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to the Green Valley Church Podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit us at greenvalleychurch.com.